0: You're listening to another life-transforming message from Awaken Church with campuses in San Diego and Salt Lake City. To find out more about us, go to awakenchurch.com. So, I want you to come with me to Mark chapter four. I'm reading from the NLT. If you would have told me a few years ago I'd be preaching from the NLT, I would have said you got rocks in your head. Summer, why are you shaking your head? That's naughty. All right, so I'm going to read from the NLT, the Nearly. Just kidding. All right, the NLT, the New Living Translation. Mark 4, 35. As evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross over to the other side of the lake. So they took Jesus in the boat and started out, leaving the crowds behind, although other boats followed. But soon a fierce storm came up. High waves were breaking into the boat, and it began to fill with water. Just, just pause there for a second. Just understand this, that this was Jesus' idea. Wasn't the disciples' idea, it wasn't, you know, Jesus looked at the schedule and somebody had booked a sightseeing adventure tour on the other side of the lake. Jesus said to the disciples, let us cross over to the other side. So the disciples go along with Jesus, so now they're responding to Jesus. They're in the middle of Jesus' will. They're in the middle of God's will, and a fierce storm arises, waves begin to break into the boat so that the boat is beginning to to sink. It's beginning to fill with water. Please understand that God is not just a fair weather God. God is not a God who can, his power can only operate in the sunshine. That sometimes you're in the middle of the will of God and all hell has broken out against you. Sometimes you can be right in the middle of God's calling, obedience God's purposes and the storm is fierce and the waves are breaking into and your boat is filling. But can I tell you don't quit. Don't quit. Don't quit. Don't back up. Don't back down. Don't retreat. You're in the middle of the will of God. You know, they, they may have sent a memo around at work that there's going to be some furloughs and some people laid off. And you're like, man, I just began to tithe. What is God? You're in the middle of the will of God because I'm telling you the storm isn't sent to sink you. The storm is sent to reveal His power and His preeminence over the storms of life. God is giving you a promotion. He's giving you an elevation to see that God is not phased by the things that phase men. Because have a look what it says. It says that... The, when this was happening, Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. Aren't you kidding me? The storm that was rocking the disciples' faith was rocking Jesus into a slumber. The disciples woke him up shouting. <laughs> I love that. They woke him up shouting. Shouting. Teacher, do you care if we're going to drown? When Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, Silence, be still. And suddenly the wind stopped. And there was a great calm. Then he asked them, Why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? The disciples were absolutely, absolutely terrified. Who is this man, they asked each other. Even the wind and the waves obey him. I want you just to underline they were absolutely terrified. All right, come with me now, chapter 5, because it spills into chapter 5. So they arrived at the other side of the lake in the region of the Gerasenes. When Jesus climbed out of the boat, a man possessed by an evil spirit came out from the tombs to meet him. The title of this message today is called The Power Gospel. The Power Gospel. One of the reasons that we want to encourage you to to not just be a church attender, but actually be somebody that has Jesus in your boat, is because when you have Jesus in your boat, you, you have a power in your world that is greater than the storms. It is greater than the storms. It is greater than the wind. It is greater than the waves. It is greater than your present circumstances. You have somebody that the wind and the waves obey. They obey His Word. Everything submits to the Word of God. That's why we want to get the Word of God in you. So now Jesus comes to the other side of the lake, and as He hits the shore on the other side, a a demonized man, a man who is possessed by an evil spirit, comes out of the tombs to meet Him. This man lived in the burial caves and could no longer be restrained. Everyone say restrained. Could no longer be restrained, even with a chain. Whenever He was put into chains and shackles, as He often was... He snapped the chains from his wrists and smashed the shackles, and no one was strong enough to subdue him. That's when you look at the language, restrained, chain, chains and shackles, subdue him. Day and night he wandered among the burial caves and in the hills howling and cutting himself with sharp stones. When Jesus was still some distance away, the man saw him, ran to meet him and bowed down before him. And with a shriek, he screamed, why are you interfering with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? In the name of God, I beg you, don't torture me. For Jesus had already said to the spirit, come out of the man, you evil spirit. Then Jesus demanded, what is your name? And he replied, my name is Legion, because there are many of us inside this man. Then the evil spirits begged him again and again. Not to send them to a distant place. Not to send them to some distant place. But close proximity. Stay in the neighborhood. There happened to be a large herd of pigs feeding on the hillside nearby. Send us into those pigs, the spirits begged. Let us enter them. So Jesus gave them permission. And the evil spirits came out of the man and entered the pigs. And the entire herd of about 2,000 pigs plunged down the steep hillside into the lake and drowned in the water. The herdsmen fled to the nearby town and surrounding countryside, spreading the news as they ran. People rushed out to see what had happened. A crowd soon gathered around Jesus, and they saw the man who had been demon-possessed by the legion of demons. He was sitting there, fully clothed, perfectly sane, and they were all afraid. They were all afraid. I I don't think you guys should move in the Holy Spirit at church because it freaks people out. Like what if someone comes in and like people get slain in the spirit, it'll freak them out. We need more freak in church. This is the second time now. The disciples were absolutely terrified when he rebuked the wind and the waves. Now there's a man who was demonized, completely sane, clothed, seated in his right mind, and the people are afraid again. How many people know that we don't dial down church to the level of fear in people? To the level of afraid in people. Our job is to replace fear with faith. Our job is to exercise the fear and replace it with faith. Somebody say amen. Amen. Then those who had seen what had happened told the others about the demon-possessed man and the pigs. And the crowd began pleading with Jesus, please, never leave. Stay here with us. We're going to build you a nice house. And if you could, oh, hang on. Sorry. And the crowd began pleading with Jesus to go away and leave them alone. As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. But Jesus said, no, go home to your family and tell them everything the Lord has done for you and how merciful he has been. So the man started off to visit the 10 towns of that region, began to proclaim the great things Jesus had done for him, and everyone was amazed at what he had told them. We're in a series at the moment called The Future is Family. The Future is Family. Can I tell you, the future is not just family, but your, your family is your future. Let me just say this, you are a product of your family, and the greatest product is your family. You are a product of your family, but the greatest thing you can produce is your family. God is the the author of family because family is the centerpiece. Family is where health comes from. The church is not a corporation Some people call her an organization. She's not an organization. She is the family of God in the earth. She is the sisterhood and the brotherhood of God. When they came to Jesus and they said, your mother and your brothers and sisters are outside, he says, who is my mother? Who are my brothers and sisters? Whoever does the will of my father, he is my brother. She is my sister. We're we're in the family of God. It's a powerful story and I want to break it down. The title of this message again is The Power Gospel, This Weekend. We're kind of rounding third, sliding into home. This weekend, we're going to have 3,000 men at our Emerge Ranch, and those men are going to encounter the power gospel. The, pa- the same power that calms the wind and the waves is the same power that can drive out demonic spirits, drive out that which afflicts, drive out that which torments us. But I want to give you three quick thoughts from this uh, passage today for you to take away. The first one is you need to understand that coexistence is a power thief coexistence is a power thief it's a power thief because here is a man living in isolation in separation in social distancing he's often been bound with shackles and chains they couldn't restrain him he would break the shackles and the chains because they couldn't they couldn't deliver him there was no power in that city to deliver him because they were coexisting with uncleanness. And coexistence is a power thief. So it's interesting because when the demons come to Jesus, they say to Jesus, Have you come to, to what have we to do with you? Oh, what, are you, are you going to torture us? Are you going to torment us? Please don't drive us out of the region, can't we coexist? Now, I know there's coexistence and they're cute with all the different religious things. But can I tell you, demons are pro-coexistence. And the reason demons are pro-coexistence is because coexistence is a power thief. You can't have authority over what you're in partnership with. Evil can't be tamed. Evil can't be reasoned with. The Bible says that we're to overcome evil with good. Evil must be driven out. Evil must be cast out. That's why we need to pray for the Treminos. Because let me tell you, the devil... Has, has got his claws in California, and he doesn't want to give it up anytime soon. This is not a just a, a political engagement or a political appointment. It is spiritual warfare. It is spiritual warfare. And so we need to drive out the wicked. We don't partner with the wicked. We don't coexist with the wicked. We drive it out. Let me just say this. You cannot be delivered from that which you deem as normal. The reason the devil wants to normalize sin, wants to legalize sin, is because he knows that you can't be set free from something you believe is normal. When when we preach the gospel, it should jack you up. If you don't get messed up, if you don't get a bad attitude, if you don't get offended, at least, I was going to say once a month, but maybe more than that if we're doing a good job. At least every other week. Then then we're not preaching the Bible. Every time I hear the word of God, God, gosh darn it, got me again. It's reading in Proverbs, it says, remove your foot from evil. I'm like, how does he know? How many people know that Jesus says, you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free? But did you know that before the truth liberates, the truth has to first penetrate? The Bible says when they heard Jesus speaking, they were cut to the heart. I, I like that, 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 that we, we don't tolerate evil. I remember in my life, trying to get set free from all the rejection and all the pain and all the, and then some, the, the person praying for me said, I can't deliver you. God's power is here. But it's not landing on you because you need to forgive your dad. I'm like, I ain't forgiving my dad. And they said, well, then because you're in agreement with demonic spirits saying withhold forgiveness to your father, stay in bitterness. He he rejected you. You reject him. He abused you. Abuse him. He you hate him. And so I was living there, and I didn't realize I was bound in torment, and I'm, I wanted to be free before i could get free i had to break that agreement you got to break agreement with demonic spirits you got to break agreement with, with vows, inner vows that you've made in your heart. You ask anybody who's gone through deliverance, the only way they can get set free is you've got to break agreements. If you're in agreement with the devil, you have no authority over the devil. You've got to break that agreement. You've got to say, you know what, devil? I was stupid when I said that, but in the name of Jesus, I'm canceling the agreement. I'm breaking the alignment. I'm breaking the agreement, and you're getting out of my life. Lust, greed, Bitterness, perversion, uncleanness, addiction. I am no longer in alignment. I'm no longer in agreement. As soon as you break agreement, the power of God flows. Coexistence is a power thief. Don't coexist with bitterness. Don't coexist with unforgiveness. Don't coexist with lust. Don't coexist with uncleanness because you have no power. It steals the power. And it's interesting because the Bible says that they tried to tame him many times. They tried to tame him. It doesn't say they tried to heal him. It says he'd often been bound. What? He is bound. They they put shackles and chains on him. Oh, well done, Einstein. Like he's already enslaved by a legion of demons, and you're like, the answer is, let's put some chains and shackles on him. I want you to notice, Mussolini. When when, when businesses were shuttered, restaurants shut down, gyms shut down, couldn't go out to eat, couldn't have more than seven people over for Thanksgiving. When we were in isolation, he he coined essential and non-essential. And part of the non-essential was the church. But what was essential was marijuana dispensaries, essential. Strip clubs, essential. Liquor stores, essential. Casinos, essential. Do you see a pattern here? The people that were tormented in their isolation, struggling with depression and anxiety and addictions went through the roof. If you talk to any of our people in our recovery center, they will tell you that in our recovery center, that we're dealing with people who have drug addiction. So, in a time of isolation and separation with people tormented and wondering if they're going to make it, the shackles and chains of marijuana dispensaries, drug addiction, and overdoses, that's okay, that's essential. Liquor stores, alcohol, that's essential. Strip clubs, pornography, lusts, that's essential. Gambling casinos, that's essential. Because it's the spirit of this world. Because, because they are powerless, because of their coexistence with wickedness, all they can do is just put shackles and chains on people who are already bound and tormented. They can't set anybody free. They can't bring freedom to anybody. It's interesting that the disciples were terrified when they saw that Jesus had power over the wind and the waves. But here, these people were terrified. These people were afraid when they saw that Jesus had power over the spiritual realm. Don't be fooled by the climate change people. The John Kerrys, the Al Gores, the Leonardo DiCaprios, these people who, who, who want you to believe. I mean, they can't control. They can't fix the homelessness they can't fix the crime they can't fix the murder they can't fix the violence in their cities they can't fix the borders they can't fix the trafficking they can't fix the fentanyl that's coming across as the number one killer in America they but no 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 but they have power over the climate or they have power over the over the planet they they we trust God we don't trust government We trust God. We don't trust government. That's why we have to have checks and balances in our government. God doesn't need any checks and balances. In fact, when you trust God, you'll find your checks and balances are better than they've ever been. You find your checks don't bounce. bounce, And the balances in your life are the greatest balances you've ever had. But we're not allowing, we're not going to allow the people that say that they've got control over the wind. They all want to be like Jesus, but they ain't Jesus. Jesus controls the wind and the waves, and Jesus has authority over the spiritual realm. Put your faith in Jesus Christ. Point number two is we must invade the darkness. Coexistence is a power thief, but let me just tell you, we must invade the darkness. Star Trek, space, the final frontier. We must boldly go where no man has gone before. We have to boldly go into all the world, especially the dark areas. Jesus said, I didn't come to call the healthy. The healthy don't need a physician. It's the sick. I didn't call the righteous. I came to call sinners to repentance. It it, it was amazing when when people started fleeing to the red states in 2020. And and they're like, hey, pastor, are you going to, you know, you should. What are you talking about? This is the church's greatest hour. Are you kidding me? Like, this is why God sent us to San Diego for such. Everything's been preparation. Everything was training. Everything was locker room until now. Now we're walking out on the field. So Jesus drives the legion of demons. And you see what? You see their agenda. You see their intent. When it enters the pigs, because the pigs don't have a will, when it enters the pigs, it immediately drives the pigs down the hillside and they drown in the water. This man every day had thousands of demons trying to kill him, trying to get him to commit suicide, and he's wrestling, he's tormented. He may have been on his last tether when Jesus arrives. But Jesus drives the demons out into the swine, and interestingly, pigs can swim, but the demons drown, the drink demons kill the pigs. And when they see, when the people come out and they see Jesus, and they see the man who was, had the legion, he's now clothed. And he's sane, and he's seated, and he's at peace with Jesus. They were afraid. They were terrified. And they begged Jesus to depart from their region. I'm like, what the? What? And the Holy Spirit said to me, the reason they did that is because they love their pigs more than they love God. They love their pigs more than they love Christ. They love their pigs more than they love the Torah. See, in that, that region, they already made a decision that even though the Torah and the Tanur forbade them to feed swine, they said, you know what? God's word, we don't care about God's word. All we care about is our personal profit. Wow. They put personal profit ahead of individual freedom. This individual wasn't free. But they didn't care about the culture that they were embracing. They didn't care about the Torah, the law of God, the word of God that they were rejecting. They didn't care of the culture that they were creating. They didn't care about the homelessness, the addiction, the torment, the man cutting himself, their powerlessness over because they were profiting from the pigs. Sound familiar? The reason we need to get behind... Anthony Tremino and his beautiful bride. The reason that we get engaged in political stuff is because we have politicians who put personal profit over individual freedom. When you see vaccine mandates, when you see Pfizer... When you see Fauci, when you see the World Economic Forum, when you see Trudeau, you know, coming out with, you have to have a vaccine, you have to have two vaccines, then you have to have a boost, or oh, you got to have a, a fourth boost, even though it doesn't stop the spread, even though it doesn't stop the contamination, even though it doesn't stop the virus, you still got to get it, even though it causes myocarditis and all kinds of other maladies, you you, you 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 can't travel into it, because they put personal profits. Do you know how many billions they raked in, injecting you trying to inject you and I with that stuff because they put personal profits above individual freedom. What I love about this story is is he comes to the region of the Gerasenes where the culture is they've rejected God, they've rejected the Torah, they've rejected the Word of God, and they set it up as a sanctuary state for pigs, for the unclean. California wanted to be the sanctuary state. When, when uh, they passed the, the, the abortion laws in, in uh, both Mississippi, Alabama, and in, in Texas, um, California said, well, we're going to be a, a, a sanctuary for abortion. In fact, we're going to make San Diego. And we're like, uh-uh, not on our watch. But you know what I like about Jesus is Jesus doesn't say, oh, you know, it's a bad state. You know, it's a bad, Jesus turns up. Jesus Jesus goes into the equivalent of a blue state. You know why? Because he ain't afraid of the darkness. He's not afraid of the uncleanness. He's not afraid of the demonic. He's not afraid of the wickedness. He walks in because he knows he carries a power. He knows he carries a power gospel. Because there was one man crying out in the tombs, cutting himself with stones. And Jesus says, I don't preach anything unless I first hear the Father say it. The miracles you see, before I do one miracle, in the Spirit I see the Father. There's a blind person, open their eyes. There's this person with leprosy, reach out and touch them and cleanse them. He says, I don't do one miracle unless I first see the Father. I don't preach one word unless I first see the Father. Jesus is is, is on the other side of the lake and, and the Father's got a hold of him. And he says, son, there's a man and the culture of his region, the culture of California, the culture of this blue state is where the people in power, they've already aligned, they've made alliances with wickedness. They've made alliances with corruption. They've rejected my word. And because of that, there's a man who's in the tombs. He's abandoned. He's isolated. He's alone. He's cutting himself with stones. Go. Go. And Jesus let's cross over to the other side. I want you to know Jesus went through a storm. He, went, he traveled land and sea for one man. The Savior, Jesus Christ, will go through hell and high water to get to one person crying out, saying, I feel abandoned. I feel alone. There's nobody who's coming. Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. And heaven is coming with him. Where Jesus goes, power goes. What's going to happen and emerge and emerge, We're going to have 3,000 men encounter a power gospel, but they won't just encounter a power gospel, because when you encounter it, you become a carrier. See, they didn't want you exposed to COVID, because otherwise you'll carry it. This weekend, 3,000 men are going to get exposed to a power gospel. I'm telling you what's going to terrify the devil is 3,000 men are going to be exposed. They're going to encounter the power gospel and they're going to become carriers of the power gospel. Everywhere they walk, power. Everywhere they walk, freedom. Everywhere they walk, deliverance. Everywhere they walk, healing. Everywhere they walk, chains breaking. I remember years ago I was at a conference and... It was a church planting conference and and one of the pastors was was trying to be nice Mark he was he came up and he says oh man if you, if you would have just if you would have planted in Texas or you know Alabama you'd have a church of 25,000 <laughs> but he's in California and I'm like thank god like what are you serious it's about numbers it's about ego like Thank God I'm in California. Thank, thank God I'm in a non Bible belt, as they say it. I, I remember talking to a guy who planted a church in, and, and I said, Oh man, how did you land on that city? He said, Well, you know, we did our demographics and we kind of felt like well, what would be the easiest city to plant a church in? So we planted right in the middle, of the, right in the heart of the Bible belt. Let me give you a guy who's been a hero of mine. C.T. Start, his a couple of quotes. Let us not glide, let us not glide through this world and then slip quietly into heaven without having blown the trumpet loud and long for our Redeemer, Jesus Christ. Let us see to it that the devil will hold a Thanksgiving service in hell when he gets the news of our departure from the field of battle. That's the kind of church we want to raise up another quote another quote some want to live within the sound of church or chapel bell i want to run a rescue shop within a yard of hell ct stud We are not here to coexist with evil. We are not here to coexist with the darkness. We are here to overthrow the darkness. We are here to drive out and cast out demons and devils. We are here to bring down the principalities and powers. We are here to set the captives free. We are here to restore marriages, restore families, break addictions, loose the cords of bondage. We are here to invade the darkness. Somebody say amen. Amen. All right, last one, last one. Oh, quick. Number three, number three, God is family first. God is family first. He knows that everything fro- flows from our families and everything flows to the family. The man says to Jesus, he says, Lord, please let me go with you. Do you know how many pastors would, would, would take this man, would take him with And put him out. This is what we're going to do. You're going to get out and you're going to share your testimony. Then I'm going to come and I'm going to throw out the net. And maybe there's nothing wrong with that per se. You're going to get people saved. But it's really interesting. Jesus said, no, no, no. No, no, no. Before you come out with me and preach, I want you to first go home to your family. Because your family is your first ministry. Let me tell you, every ailment, every dysfunction... Every battle, every struggle that you and I carry comes from our family. So Jesus says, I want you to go back to the source. But you're not going to go back bound. You're going to go back with power. Because you just had an encounter with the power gospel. And tell them how merciful the Lord has been. Because God's power and God's mercy travel together. Whenever God sends out his power, he says, wait, 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 before you go, mercy Mercy and God's power, God's travel companion. The Bible says Jesus was moved with compassion and he healed the sick. God's mercy and God's power always travel together. They're travel buddies. They're best friends, BFFs. It says go home to your family. Go home to your family. What I love about Emerge is... We don't just raise men up who can prophesy and move in the spirit. But we have men recognize that their first ministry is to their brides. Their first ministry is to their families. I remember many, many years ago, I was reading all these books on leadership. John Maxwell, leadership. Leadership is influence. Nothing more, nothing less. The 21 irrefutable laws of leadership. If there were 22, I would have written them, but it's only 21. Developing the leader within you. Developing the leaders around you. (laughs) Leadership. So I'm reading all these books on leadership because I'm like, Dr. Mao, I want to be a boss. I want to be a leader in the marketplace. I want to be a leader in the kingdom. And there's one day I'm having this big fight with Leanne. And so I'm just like, come on, God. This woman's a mess. (laughs) He's like, yeah, you know that leadership Stuff you're reading, oh, yeah, God, is making me a powerful leader. He goes, yeah, yeah, your wife's the product of your husbandry. (laughs) Are you kidding me? (laughs) Your wife is a product of your leadership. And I'm like, no, you can't put my fingerprints on that. (laughs) And he's like, exactly what I'm doing. I'm like, oh, well, I wanted to go and save the world. He's like, exactly. But you need to first go back to your family. And then not only model what the Lord has done, but begin to minister that's there. Wow. And then one day, one day I had a vision. and I saw an angel with a measuring reed. And he was measuring me. You know, you know, when you go to get a, a suit, yeah. you know, they take your measurements. Hey, it's a little, you know, inside leg. It's like, <laughs> steady on there. Steady on there, Sven. I was just taking your inside leg measurement. Sven. Ach du liebe, what's this los mit dir? Anyway, and so. So the true story, the angel was like measuring me. And I'm thinking, I'm thinking, Jennifer, I'm thinking this is good. I'm thinking he's measuring for a new suit. I'm going to look like a tremino. Look how handsome this boy looks in his snappy suit. I'm thinking, God's going to put a new suit on me. He's going to put new armor on me. He's measuring me for a new chapter, a new day. And he, and he actually says to me, actually, the reason I'm measuring you is I'm, I'm watching you, Juergen, to see how you treat your bride. To determine how much of my bride I give you influence over. Man, it, it messed me. It messed me put the photo up of of my dad just coming into land. It's a picture of my my father. Most of you know know the story of, you know, my father. He was born in East Germany under communism and atheism. His mother died when he was five. His father turned to alcohol to at least numb the pain of losing his wife. She died of tuberculosis. It was just right around Post-World War II, it's 1948, the war is over, the, the, Germany was pretty much completely obliterated. And then he loses his wife to tuberculosis and he turns to alcohol. The alcohol doesn't bring out the best in him, the alcohol brings out the worst in him. So my father was a regular recipient of beatings from his father. His father remarried, but the woman that he married, who became my father's stepmother, already had two kids. And because of my father's father's bad temper, if they broke something, spilt something, stained something, she would protect her kids, as any mama would, from the wrath of this drunken, angry man. And she would blame my father, and he would take the beatings for things that he never did. So he hated his stepmother, and he hated his father. So much so that when he was 14, he ran away from home. At 18, they had national conscription. You had to go into the military. And so he was in the military. And when he finished his training, they put him as a soldier on the wall between the east and the west. This, this here is in the, the 60s and the 70s. They brought out many migrants from Europe. And then they, because Australia was bustling and they needed tradespeople. And so my dad was one of the people that got a visa to come out from Germany. And so they did a story and he told the story about his mum dying and everything. And they followed up how these migrants who came here, not knowing the language, you know, became successful. I remember when I was in Bible college and I just finished preaching at chapel and people come and go, man, you got an anointing to preach. You got an anointing to preach. And I felt really good until I got home and got my guitar out and just began to worship. And the Holy Spirit says, yeah, you know, uh, You need to forgive your dad. I'm like, (laughs) I'm not sure if you were listening, Lord, but uh, people said, I've got an anointing to preach. And He's like, yeah, but if you don't deal with this brokenness, everything you preach is defiled. Everything you preach will be contaminated with bitterness and resentment because your words aren't just words. They also spirit. And I'm like, well, he's not asking for forgiveness. And God, he doesn't deserve it. And God says, neither were you asking or deserving when I forgave you. So I wrestled for months. And then finally I said, all right, God, I'll forgive him. God says, okay, oh, you want to throw me a bone now? Three months later, he says, you know what we're going to do? We're going to take it up another level. Not only do I want you to forgive him, but I want you to tell him that you love him. I'm like, you are, you have, I've never heard those words God, it's not fair. I've never heard those words from Him. He's the Father. I'm the child. He should be the one. He's the offender. He's a violator. I'll forgive him, but I ain't. And so it took, so then I realized I had to not only tell Him I love Him, forgive Him. But then a few years ago, you've heard the story, I'm brushing my teeth and two of the bulbs are blowing up my vanity. And as I'm looking in the mirror, I see that face in my features looking back at me. And as I'm brushing my teeth, I go, ugh. And the Holy Spirit's like, well, well, well. <laughs> I thought you'd forgiven him. I'm like, oh, I oh, have. Oh, yeah. oh, Holy Spirit, and I'm, I'm searching me. I, I, I feel like I have. Oh, no, honestly. He goes, I know you have. You've forgiven him, but you've never honored him. Wow. I'm like, oh, 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 all righty then. <laughs> I'm, I'm thinking it's a game of chess. And, you know, God just like, you know, rook tonight. And I'm like, oh, I've got a killer move right here with the bishop. And I said, God, I'd I'd be happy to honor him if you can name one thing that he's done that's honorable. (laughs) And God's like, I'm not asking you to honor him for what he's done. I'm asking you to honor him for who he is. It It was very difficult. It was very expensive. But it was unbelievably powerful. Because up until that time, because of him coming home drunk and just the generational curse, you know, what walks in fathers runs in children. And so he hated his father because of the alcohol and the beatings. But Jesus says, whatever sins you retain, whatever sins you don't forgive, you retain. Because he wouldn't forgive, he retained it. So it was being produced in him. That's why forgiveness is so important. Because whatever sins you don't forgive, you retain and it'll produce in you. He became the very, the very epitome of what he hated. He became an alcoholic. He became abusive. He became violent. He hated the beatings from his father. We got beatings from our father. He hated that his father was abusive and violent. He became abusive and violent. And all I could see, I just thought, you know what, God? All right, all right. I, I understand for ministry. I'll forgive him. I even understand obedience. I'll tell him I love him. Don't really feel it, but I'll do it. And now you want me to honor him? <laughs> yeah, right. Well, I'll do it just because I, I've left engineering and I don't want to go back. When I, when I honored him, something shifted. and My eyes opened. Because all of a sudden I saw a man who was a soldier on the wall between East and West Germany who confided in his friend that he was done with lining up for four or five hours every Tuesday to try and get a loaf of bread. He was done with lining up for, for four hours on a Thursday to get meat or a sausage. He wondered what it was like in the capitalist West. He'd heard rumors about the West. He was a soldier on the wall. They said, oh, we're building a wall to keep those capitalists out from the utopian dream of communism. He said every day no one was trying to break in, but every day people were trying to break out. And his best friend went and told the, the Stasi, they told the police, the, the, and they came around, they arrested him, they put him in a concentration camp for 22 months. He said he knew the only way to get out was oh, my friend was lying, he was exaggerating, I was just talking out there. He just did that for the reward. When they let him out, he said he didn't enter his house, he sat on the steps with the snow coming down till 3 a.m. And then he ran across a minefield. He was going to get out of East Germany one way or the other. Either he'd make it to the other side or he'd step on a mine. Either way, he didn't want to live one more day in the bondage and the slavery of socialism, communism. Now, obviously, spoiler alert, he didn't make it. Otherwise, right now, you'd be looking on the stage going, how come there's no one up there preaching? So he made it. That's why I'm... If you see where I was born, you go from Berlin. The furthest point from Berlin is all the way down here, a little town called Tuttlingen. About 30 minutes from Strasbourg, which is in France, and maybe 25 minutes to Zurich in Switzerland. I was born right at the edge of the Black Forest. He went as far as he could get, but still staying in Germany. And then when there was a severe winter, Mum was pregnant with my little brother. He heard about Australia, had opportunities. And the weather was so good you could work all year if you wanted. And so he applied for a visa, got the visa, didn't know the language, didn't know the culture, didn't know the customs, but got a one-way ticket for my pregnant mama, myself and him. And they land in Australia with nothing but their suitcases. No guarantees, no promises, nobody to pick them up from the airport. And the Holy Spirit said to me, do you see what's living in you? You left. Australia, to come to San Diego, where there was nowhere to pick you up, you didn't know the people, you didn't know the culture, you could speak the language, but the same bravery, the same courage, that you haven't seen because all you saw was his sin, all you saw was his failures, all you saw was his transgressions, all you saw was his dysfunctions. But now that you honor, you you see a man that had the courage to run across a minefield because he'd rather die pursuing freedom than live another day in bondage. Do you not see that that's why you are here in a blue state? That's why you are here in California, because there's a courage on the inside of you that refuses to coexist with evil. There's a courage on the inside of you that is willing. You carry the DNA of someone who will run across a minefield rather than live in bondage and live in oppression and live in under tyranny. Come on, stand to your feet. I'm not sure where you are, but I'm telling you, if someone would have told me the day would come where you would not only honor your father, I was on. I, I literally. I'm on the phone at least once a week with my dad. The other day, he had, he had Janice who lives at the apartment below him. He lives on the 22nd floor. She lives on the 21st floor. And uh, we sent him a picture when Leanne and I got to meet President Trump. Uh, we sent him a picture. I got Colby to blow it up three feet by three feet. But he took it down and got it blown up to six feet by six feet. And it's right in the middle of his wall. So he brings Janice in and he said, This is my son. And so anyway, so he says. So he said to me this a couple of weeks ago, he goes, Hey, have you ever heard of YouTube? <laughs> I said, yeah, I've heard of Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you know you're on YouTube? I said, I had an inkling. <laughs> hey, Janice. Oh, blank. She, she, after this, she went and looked you up on, and you're on YouTube. She says, she listens to you every day. Did you know you're preaching on YouTube? I said, I kind of, kind of guessed. He said, oh, blank. She said to me, you've changed her life. And then he said this, I'm so proud of you. You're living in San Diego, and here's a woman who lives in the flat beneath me, and you're changing her life. If you would have told me that God could do that, I would have said, you're smoking crack. Stop it. But he's the God of the transformation. Lift your hands high to heaven. Lift your hands high to heaven. Father, I thank you that you transform. And let me tell you something about the gospel. The gospel is a power gospel. It is a power gospel. Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God under salvation. I speak to every demonic spirit. I speak to every generational curse. I speak to every wound and every transgression, every violation. I speak to agreements that we made in our heart with demonic forces that says, don't forgive. They don't deserve forgiveness. Don't honor. They're nothing honorable. I break those things. I break the chains of people struggling with addiction. I break the chains of people who are struggling with alcoholism. I break the, the chains of people tormented, cutting themselves. I break that thing, and I declare that relief is here, deliverance is here. You don't need to coexist with that which robs power from you. You can actually align with God and have power over demonic forces. If you're here today and listen, you've never surrendered to Jesus. Your life's not right with Jesus. Or maybe you're just here and you're far from Jesus. I'm going to hand back to Dr. Matt in just a moment. But I don't want you to leave the same way you came in. We have a handsome young man over here who's already got... Uh, emerge body workout gear on. We've got a Bible and a following Jesus book we want to give you. If you brought someone who's away from God, greatest thing you can do. Greatest thing anybody ever did to me was brought me to Jesus. If you're here and you're far from God, come and see us. We want to give you a Bible, pray with you, give you a following Jesus book. If you brought someone, bring them down here. But come on one more time. Lift your hands to heaven. Let me pray a blessing. Father, I thank you for each and every person standing here. We thank you, Lord God, for the transformation that's going to happen this weekend. And I thank you, Father, that the transformation begins now in this house. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our locations, team, and what we do here at Awakened Church, go to awakenchurch.com.